Welcome back to the Queer Public Podcast. This week on the show, I'm pulling a story from the Queer Public Archives. I recorded and released this content in 2015, and a ton of people downloaded it. It's actually how I knew people wanted more real-life queer life in their earbuds. Danny and Scott's story was one of the first I reported on, but it's remained entirely relevant. You see, I've always been curious about what makes two people candidates for friendship after a breakup. My politics about staying friends with exes formed while I was at a tiny liberal arts school in Quebec, barely out and with a small friend circle of queer friends and lovers. I thought it was a no-brainer. We stay friends with our exes because there aren't that many of us queers around. But now that I live in a large city and not a tiny liberal arts school, I'm more critical of that concept because sometimes it's not a good idea. Sometimes people aren't good for each other. Sometimes not enough time passes and it gets messy. But more often than not, a relationship without the romance and sexual intimacy is just a really solid friendship. And that's what we miss in a breakup. The companionship, the mutual support and respect, someone to confide in. We miss having a teammate. I think Danny and Scott are the perfect example of that. This is Friends with Exes. We met in Morgantown, West Virginia at West Virginia University. I had just graduated and Danny was an incoming freshman. It was 1998, 1999. Yeah, it was all 1998. Danny had joined the marching band and I had been in the marching band and had all these friends still in the band. And we just kept getting introduced to each other because we were the only Jewish kids anyone knew at West Virginia University at the time. And by about the third time, we were both just like, yes, we met, but no, we didn't know each other before. Danny was like a rock star when she came into marching band because she was this like badass freshman girl that made snare line. I, I pretty much knew right away I had a crush. I don't know if it was the Jewish thing or if it was the badass snare girl thing or if it was just a combination of everything. In the beginning, Scott would ask me to go to Shabbat dinner at the Hillel house for the university a lot. And I came from a very um, Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh called Squirrel Hill. And I grew up with a lot of Jewish friends and there was just something I've never, even then I've never been asked to Shabbat dinner by a boy. (laughs) I actually invited you to bagel brunch before Shabbat dinner. There, There was a lot of Hillel inviting. Back then, I don't think I recognized that Scott really had any interest in me in that sort of way. It it was never an obvious sort of flirtation that was happening. I thought that this older guy was just trying to recruit me to go to the Hillel house and be part of the Jewish community on campus, and I really wasn't interested. (laughs) But um, he had really long hair and wore a lot of cargo shorts. And and yeah, no, but really what it came down to, I I don't think that I knew that he was really interested, and I definitely wasn't interested in any of that. (laughs) Then we did hang out a lot, and we would go to the record stores together and just kind of like make sort of random road trips together as friends. And then one day he showed up and picked me up. I don't think you were wearing cargo shorts, but you definitely shaved everything off your face and your hair was really short and it looked, you looked very handsome and you weren't wearing Birkenstocks. And that's when I knew like, okay, I'm totally into this. Then we just started dating and that lasted 10 years. That was like a weird, I don't think we expected that. We just kind of went and got coffee and then 10 years later. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun together. We'd see a lot of movies. We'd take a lot of hikes. Our we, families got close. Our families got close. Or, well, well like, like I spent yeah. Passover, your family, you come down and hang out with my I mom. I lived about an hour and a half north in Pittsburgh, and we would travel a lot to Pittsburgh together, and you, you got really close to my family and my siblings, and um, we would do a lot of used record 
shopping and CD shopping and at the Pittsburgh stores and it, we just kind of hung out a lot. Yeah. There was a lot more to do when the internet wasn't really <laughs> as present. You sound old. So Danny and Scott's first four years together were great. They had a ton of fun together. And what I'm about to say might not seem relevant now, but you'll understand why in a bit. In the first four years of their relationship, Danny and Scott chose not to have sex. I mean, keep in mind, Danny, when we met was 17, we started dating. She was 18. Yeah. I was 21. Yeah. I guess that obviously we're intimate in a lot of other ways. It was just strictly, I, was just, I wasn't ready. You know, and I, I wasn't ready to do that. We dated for four years. Then we decided that it was time to be intimate. Then literally a week after, Danny moved to New York. After school, I moved to New York to pursue some career opportunities. And and so then we entered the long-distance phase of our relationship. We packed up the car, drove Danny to her apartment in New York. I remember like moving into New York and then staying for a couple days, maybe a week or something. And then, I don't know if you remember this or not, but do you remember when I left... I called my mom crying, you called your mom crying, and then our moms called each other crying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know that we anticipated what a long-distance relationship would look like. It just felt like it was something that was going to be temporary. Eventually, I was going to move to New York, but it ended up lasting five years, long-distance. I think it worked because Danny was in New York for the sole purpose of work, and I was staying in West Virginia for the sole purpose of the band and work. And so, like, the relationship was so important to us, but it wasn't number one, and that's why it worked so well, probably. As time went on, five, six, seven years into their relationship, Danny and Scott were stable and happy. During the long-distance phase of their relationship, Danny had time to go out and meet people and have new experiences. It was about that time that Danny made some friends in the New York City queer community. Yeah, in New York, I just met all kinds of people, and I started building friendships with some people in the in the queer community, and just kind of, I don't know, just just talking to a close friend of mine in particular, and and just kind of like learning about you know where she's coming from, and talking to her kind of sparked an interest in my brain as to you know. Oh, this is interesting. I, I've never really considered, I never really thought of that before. Our visits did become more frequent and we started having some tension in our relationship that we never really experienced. We'd started to fight. We'd kind of like get a little more nitpicky with things and our visits just weren't, they didn't feel how they used to feel. We started to notice some sort of problems and I can't remember looking back exactly what the triggers were but I know a lot of it would have to do with we haven't seen each other in six weeks or eight weeks and you wanted to have sex and I didn't want to have sex and a lot of our newer problems that start happening towards the middle and end of our relationship had to do with like just kind of like this discrepancy I guess in but what was weird was mood. the beginning of you when you first moved to New York we had a normal relationship like we were intimate and we were there was like times that it felt like a normal thing, but then as time went and I, I yeah, I, I think I became less, less interested yeah. in it. And that's looking back, like, yeah, it was very clear to me, like why I wasn't interested. Like it wasn't doing it for me and it, it wasn't something that I necessarily really enjoyed. And that's, that's something that like, I don't know, not, not everybody talks about before they come out is like, I just thought that I was someone who didn't really enjoy having sex. And like, I thought that I think we're taught somehow like that that's a normal progression of a relationship is that you have a lot of sex and then you just become kind of like life partners that yeah. aren't intimate and that's a horrible like lie that's like pushed on people but like 
when but, we were eight years in, that's just what it seemed like. It, I, I was able to chalk it up to that. Like, and well, I think, and then I think, I don't know if we even discussed it or not, but I think it got to the point where that was the one thing that wasn't working in a relationship. It's like, all right, everything else is amazing and perfect, but we're not having sex. And then it turned into, okay, well maybe like we're the couple, at least for me, it became, all right, maybe I'm just this girl who doesn't like sex. I, I'm not getting it. I don't understand what, what the whole fuss is. It's really not that great. And, but okay, we'll do this because you have to do this because this is how relationships survive. But then it caused a lot of tension because you'd come in and we'd only see each other very briefly and we wouldn't have sex and then it would cause a fight because we're both frustrated about different things. Sometimes we feel half broken Walking through the world half dead Sometimes we feel half human Believing only half of what's in our heads, you know Everybody feels half crazy Half of the time you said But we'll never be half-hearted again Cause even when it seems so hard We are all hearts And even when we see our scars follow-up with um, I left New York to take a job in Pittsburgh Scott was still living in Morgantown and so the plan was at this time if I was gonna move back to Pittsburgh Scott was gonna move from Morgantown to Pittsburgh and which we were was gonna... an hour like Pittsburgh was yeah. always my big city was... so that was my next logical move. yeah it was very close and we were gonna live together and at this point we've been together like nine years this is like the end of the relationship here. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel time. like it. But just this is like the last year of our relationship was just us moving in together in Pittsburgh because we thought, all right, it's been a long time. And if we're going to do this, this is the next step. And we never really talked about marriage. We never really talked about anything beyond that. Like we always were just very present with each other. And we never really needed anything beyond just being on whatever level we were. And in, so in my mind, I was like, we're finally doing this. We're going to live together. I'm going to get laid all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't happen. I didn't think that. I moved back to Pittsburgh and we were looking for apartments and we found it we found a really cute like three story house, one bedroom house with a little patio backyard situation and a little attic for like a little studio. home studio. It was like the perfect house for us. Everything we needed. I could put my drums upstairs. Everything was great. Except there was somebody else interested in, in this house and we kind of showed interest at the same time. So the landlord said whoever will sign a two-year lease gets the house. He didn't want to like add money to the price. He didn't want to do any of that. He wanted to make it very fair. Whoever could stay there the longest would get the house. And so I remember Scott telling me, we have to sign a two-year lease if we Which want this house. Which is a no-brainer after nine years. To me, I was just like, "What's? yeah, of course. And so for me, you know, looking back when people say, when did you know, which is always a really silly question to ask somebody because you don't always know and there isn't always a route. But for me, a big moment looking back that's the moment where I think it really came crashing in that this is what was going on was when we had to sign this two-year lease. I was just hit with a lot of anxiety and I didn't know where it was coming from. And I really had to kind of search within myself to figure out, like, why does this feel 
like a sentence in a lot of ways. And out of context, I wasn't sympathetic at all. I was no. hurt, and I was like, "Why wouldn't you want to sign it to your lease? This he, is ridiculous. This is what we've been, both been working towards and waiting for." And it like, was I was weird, pissed. You were really mad, and I'm just like, "Okay, fine. Let's just let's just do it. Whatever." And inside, I'm just I'm just starting to figure things out. By the way, when you ask your girlfriend to move in with you, and she says, "Let's just do it. Whatever." That's like <laughs> never never the response you want to hear. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I know that now. <laughs> but like, well, I, that's, I mean, that was a very real feeling for me. No, I, yeah, I think this is when it, like hit me. Like, this isn't right. This isn't what I thought the end result was going to be. Like, this is supposed to be the beginning of everything, and it just feels like I feel like I'm not wanted around here, or we're not getting along. We're fighting way more than we ever had. We never fought. There was a daily, lot of a lot just... of tension, and, and I couldn't communicate what I was feeling because I didn't know what I was feeling and I was very confused about what I was feeling and I didn't want to upset you but at the same time I was just making it way worse. These fights that we typically had in these moments a lot of it came down to Scott feeling very unwanted and unattractive and I felt like a horrible girlfriend because I didn't want to be with my boyfriend in that way and I didn't want to touch him in that way and it felt like shit for me. And I know it probably felt like way more horrible for you to have this person who didn't want to be with you in the way that you wanted to be with them. You know, I, I had reached like just a point where I was like, this isn't right. Like, I'm going to lose my mind if we don't start being intimate again. Like I thought we were going to be when we moved in together. And I think I just remember pushing it to a fight on purpose. I remember like just getting it to a point where I could get Danny to like express something that's when it just came out or you came out everything came out <laughs> we're jumping out of the story for a second to ask for your help if you love queer public help us make the show by donating to our patreon I saved up for years to produce the first season of the show because I wanted to pay a fair wage to my team and I changed my whole life while Ariana and I were producing the first six episodes of the show. Ariana actually moved in with me, and I worked two full-time jobs for months. Finally making this show has been a dream come true, but it's not sustainable for upcoming seasons, mainly because we don't have that kind of money anymore. You can make a monthly donation of just $5 to gain access to behind-the-scenes content, gain early access to episodes, and generally just help the show out. You'd be supporting independent producers make the show. And these episodes can take more than 100 hours to complete. Help us create queer content for your queer ears by visiting patreon.com queerpublic. You can also make a one-time donation to us on PayPal at queerpublic at gmail. Okay, back to Danny and Scott. Talking this over with you and, and with, with Scott right now, it's interesting because I, I remember things differently and I'm not exactly sure that what I'm remembering is real life or if it's just kind of this memory that I've been adding to and interpreting differently, I guess, all these years. But yeah, I'm sure I don't remember much of the day. I'm sure it was a typical day for us where we were just having a great time and typical Danny and Scott stuff. I remember being in bed and, and um, getting that normal anxious feeling and... I don't remember what you said. I, I know that you were pushing a fight, and but I don't remember. I remember it, it so vividly. I, I could, like, paint the picture. Well, I remember being this close to the wall. I remember but where you were. It's funny what you took from it and what I and what I took from it, because the biggest thing that I, I, I took from that conversation was I came out, 
and how good I felt afterwards. At this point, everything leading up is kind of blurry still. I don't know. I, I think I, I didn't know what to say anymore. And I just, at this point, I just started putting the pieces together. And so I just got really tired of saying, it's not you, it's not you, you know, it's, and that's always bullshit whenever you hear that. And it, but in this case, it was absolutely true, but I needed a reason for that to be true. And I needed him to understand why that was true. When I think back, I remember saying, I think that I'm gay. Yeah. I think you said, I think I might be gay or I think I'm gay. That was the moment where like, I just immediately just felt amazing. And I knew that as soon as I said it, like I knew it was right because this tension was just, I mean, a ton of bricks gone. It was crazy. It was so crazy. I, I don't even remember being emotional about it. I just remember being like, is that who you are or part of who you are? Because in my mind at the time, whatever information I had as a 20-something straight guy, I was just, is that something you need in your life or is that who you are? You know, I think there's like so many variances on this. But I don't know, just at the time, it, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't think it spelled the end of anything for us. It just felt like, all right, well, this is just something we're going to work through because obviously we're going we're gonna to be together. We're going to grow old, you know? You didn't know for sure, right? I, I knew... I don't know. It, it was weird. It, it never occurred to me that Scott and I would ever break up. I, I knew deep down that wasn't going to work, but I think on the surface we were both trying to figure out a way you know, the year after my dad passed away, aside from that, this was like the hardest. Like that was, it just felt like another loss. Scott and I spent the next year, we remained together under the title of boyfriend and girlfriend. And we tried to support each other as best as we possibly could in figuring out what the next step was. But within that time, there was a lot of struggle of jealousy. And, you know, we opened up our relationship a little bit uh, to see what everything meant, I guess. There was a lot of miscommunication in that time and there was a little bit of lying in that time on both ends. And it was a really difficult test for us. It was a struggle. But the whole time we, we were committed still to each other and to the outcome. And, and I think deep down, even though it was really rough and we had some really horrible exchanges in, in those moments, I think deep down we knew if we could just get through this, we can redefine who we are. And that was kind of our goal the whole time. Let's just support each other, figure out what, what this is, and let's redefine who Danny and Scott you know, really are. It's just and... a shit show for the next year, and it's just the worst, the worst time. At this point, it was the first time in my life I had a chance to make the move that I had been wanting to make, which was supposed to be New York. But the way work was going for me, I needed to be in LA, which is completely foreign to me at the time. And I was starting to take some trips and we had this shit show year trying to figure things out. And then finally at the end of the summer, you know, I think we had our talk like in October or something. And then that following summer was the like, I gotta go, I'm going to go to LA. And it always felt like I'll go first, and then eventually Danny will come out to L.A. And... Once, once Scott made the decision that he was moving, I think the dust started to settle for us. I think at that point, we both went into, we should put a bow on this in the proper way. Like, we needed to tie this up. We owed it to each other, and we deserved as a couple to do this the right way. Come take the drive with me to L.A. And, we, and then the whole focus became not about how or what does this mean for us, but it just became more about a celebration of what we were and what we had. And 
it was scary. It was scary as shit. And it was really, it was really painful because we both knew that once I moved, that was it. And you also knew how hard it was going to be for me to like go through this whole, you know, process of like self-discovery essentially. I felt like I was abandoning. I just felt like I was abandoning everything. Like I was just, I mean, I probably was, but it was also the timing I had to go then. Put some 80s on, on the radio. Every beat that played be like a heart that breaks. We were so damn young. We could drive away and think of East Coast days. With the windows down, waving one hand out. We were so damn young. It's too late to turn the car around before the sun goes down. And we're stranded on the side of the freeway. We both have made mistakes. No matter what comes next, we won't leave us behind. Don't let me let you go, go. Don't let me let you go away. Don't let me let you go, go. Don't let me let you go away. Even if we don't have a love to save. Don't let me let you go, go. Don't let me let you go away. Don't let me let you go away. One of the hardest parts of the breakup was not being able to tell our family and our friends. We had friends that have known us this whole time, and to not be able to tell them, like, what the hell happened with Danny and Scott? Why did he leave? Why did, you yeah. know? The funny side effect to that is that my mom sort of figures it out without we, saying so many words. Oh. Well, we also joked that we thought... Scott's mom was going to think Scott was the gay one. Well, she did. Yeah. And I had to, like, come out straight to my mom. <laughs> she was so <laughs> sad. It's like, Mom, straight. It's not a choice. This is just who I am. I... <laughs> Get out of here. Just, the underlying foundation never went away. It was very even full though, circle. Yeah. And I think at the end of it all, I think we had a very beautiful breakup. Yeah. We which had a not, nice... a, not a lot of people. It's very rare, I think, that a lot of people can experience that sort of thing. So I feel very lucky. Well, yeah, we had it unique and hard in a lot of ways, but like when there's like a defined boundary, like there's never a chance that this is going to get back together again. It makes moving on initially harder, but way easier in the long run. Finally, we have the call. It was brutal. And then we just kind of took a year or so of space. First year was trying to figure shit out. The second year was like, all right, now we're really on our own. Like those those were really tough years. I think something to point out is we were very unstable with, with ourselves and our pers- our personal lives and our social lives. Everything was just unstable those two years. But when you moved and then, and I was still in Pittsburgh, we both kind of settled into these new lives. And then once we both kind of found our focus again, that seems to be when we started to find our old selves back again you know that's when it kind of started to make sense again and the communication started to pick up and things felt good because we both felt comfortable with where we were yeah i think we just needed like decompression time and i think we went from like speaking somehow like every few weeks to every week to back to every couple days to every day texting and yeah and then just became a thing like oh right like this is this was the missing piece in my life like this you know I don't want to be without this thing like Danny grounds me still does and I didn't want to be without it 
I had a show in New York that was being promoted, and it was like bigger than usual show for me at the time. It was the big time. It was pretty much big time. So I asked Danny to play this show with me, and it was a bunch of songs I had written about the breakup. They weren't bitter songs. They were just different angles on different parts of where I was. And so I write these songs about the breakup, and I don't think I really caught the dynamic. I don't think you really caught the dynamic at the time that I was singing about the person that was next to me. I was just trying not to fuck up the drum parts. Right. <laughs> that was I, our first time playing together, and it was a big deal. It's like, oh my god, Scott's trusting me to play drums with him. Holy crap. You know, I'm doing a singer-songwriter thing, which I don't do well. I hate being the only person on stage, and just, ugh, I just was like having a meltdown every time I performed. <laughs> Hated it. And then I think the idea was floated like, maybe we should just really do a band thing and write songs for that. That was like the first, that was teammate before we named it. And then also when it all started to make sense, I think I was going through a horrible breakup. It was my first, my first lesbian breakup and it was brutal for me. It was not my first lesbian breakup. No, Scott already already had his. And I can like sense something is weird, but she's not like being very forthcoming. And I said, are you sure everything's all right? She's like, everything's fine. And I said, "Uh, if you need to talk, just let me know. And she was like, I'm fine. And I was like, well, just remember, I've been dating lesbians way longer than you have. (laughs) And I think she didn't even laugh. She didn't laugh. You just went, you're a dick. Yeah. And then you started laughing. But I think that That's was like right. a breakthrough moment for that us. That was a breakthrough moment. moment and um, we, That was the first time we both could like joke about. like. Well, but the point of the story that I'm bringing up is that Scott, because of who he is and being amazing and sensitive and caring, he wrote a breakup song for me. Oh, right. And you were working on a new EP. You were working on a new record for yourself for a solo project. And I think you suggested, why don't you, re- why don't you track drums on this song? Why don't we record the song? And so we went to the studio and I had this breakup song about my first lesbian breakup that my ex-boyfriend wrote for me. That you were playing drums <laughs> that on. That I'm playing drums on. And it was this bizarre, surreal experience. So, but after after we recorded the song together about the breakup, we kind of made our first decision. All right, maybe maybe we should do this together. And so that's kind of how the band started. After that show in New York, friends and family approached them, blown away by their dynamic on stage, where they had performed songs Scott had written about their breakup next to the person those songs were about. And then, like their relationship had changed so many times before, from friends to girlfriend and boyfriend to long distance to live in, their relationship changed again. This time, they started collaborating creatively together. The thing was, they were collaborating because of the existence and disillusion of that relationship in the first place. As our like relationship grows now as like close friends and now that we probably tell each other more than we ever did when we were dating and we're like so close and so open about everything and conversation. And this is, we, like Scott said, this, we are closer now than we've ever been. And this is almost what the relationship should have always have been. And so I'm very proud of this relationship and it it feels so normal and, and so perfect. And, and I'm just happy that we really stuck with it and fought to, to keep it in both of our lives. I mean, every once in a while we zoom out and we catch ourselves and we say, I'm really proud of us. I'm really proud of this, you know, and I can't think of anything else in my life that I'm more proud of than the fact that we've been able to maintain this and it's continued to grow and develop into like an awesome friendship, even beyond awesome. And yeah, that we made it through. For me, that's my proudest accomplishment in life, I think, is this relationship. 
Since first reporting this story, Danny and Scott have remained close friends and bandmates. All the music you heard in this episode is by them under their band name, Teammate. You heard Hi, All Heart, Don't Let Me Let You Go, and this song called Sequel, which chronicles their journey together. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Teammate Band and listen to their catchy pop songs on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Music. This story was produced by me, Erin McGregor, and the interview was edited by the multi-talented multimedia producer, Andy Alceri. I want to hear from you, dear listeners. Slide into our DMs or holler at us on Twitter. I want to know who's listening. I want to know if there's a story we should report on. I want to know what you want more of and which episodes resonate with you the most. Help us know you. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Queer Public. I'm your host, Erin McGregor. Thanks for listening. Sometimes nothing's ever enough Even the best stories wrap up But I still believe there's gotta be a sequel to us Shaking, but you're